0: You're a conscious luminary, and you're getting it going in the NFT space. Welcome to Golden Meta Sessions with Dog Peace. I'm your host, Dr. Peace Uche, also known as Dog Peace. Golden Meta Sessions is a time to celebrate creative expression, featuring NFT creatives who share their doses of inspiration on how they got started, plus tips and strategies on how to boldly creatively express. To empower your NFT journey and achieve your version of success. New episodes drop weekly every Thursday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So press subscribe for your weekly dose of Golden Meta Sessions with Dog Peace. This episode of Golden Meta Sessions with Dog Peace podcast is sponsored by Raka, a metaverse company and exclusive manager of French Montana's NFT album drop 2D Montega. Dropping soon. Today, we have another golden guest joining us, Zee Hovac. Zee Hovac calls herself a quantum pop artist. Bright colors, fun quantum shapes that heal the pain in your heart from your third eye view. You can see her obsession with mathematics and quantum physics in her pieces, and particularly the mystical power behind the number 33, which is also her life path number, as well as her obsession with the 369 method. These numbers crop up in all of her work to bring the frequency of love to the observer. She wants her art to make your heart smile and make your soul dance. Her passion is art and her purpose is to be the voice for animals. Welcome Z. Hello,
1: hello. Grateful to be here. Namaste. Mm.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's just jump right on in. And I want you to share what is your golden manifesto? Where do you see yourself 15 years from now? What are you building and what is your golden manifesto Oh my god what a great
1: question um, you know truly to be the voice for animals while using my art yet at the same time helping people break out of the fear-based mentality and the fear-based I- identity that uh, you know we've been conditioned with so by just doing me doing my art, Hopefully, to inspire others around while teaching them that they could do what they love and monetize on it.
0: Ooh, do what they love and monetize. And so you are creating this new life for yourself. And I'm curious to know where were you before you pivoted to the Web3 space? Can you share with us your BC or before crypto story? Before crypto? Um, absolutely. So
1: um, right before crypto, I was a creative director at an apparel company that I started actually in my early 20s. So I started handmaking apparel selling in play markets, essentially, and boutiques and every sort of craft fair. And the line sort of got big and I had partners that joined me. And so we took the company from flea market to being these big wholesalers that were selling to Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's Mall of Dubai. Um, It was a children's line. It was incredible. Some of the hardest, most amazing years of my life. Uh, But my soul died somewhere along the way, going from you know, just pure artistic passion to dealing with all numbers and charts. So it became no longer about the creativity, it became about the money and what sells. So every time I wanted to create in the past, I would just sort of wake up, meditate, take my dog on a walk, do a little bit of yoga, check in on my mom and sort of start on the day and just let the you know, energy of the ether flew through me, me and create these amazing garments. And, you know, and people, you know, of course, felt the energy. And so it was amazing. Fast forward many years later to having to check the chart of what's selling and having to create another blue dress season after season, because that's one of the most selling numbers. So I became... More about money charts. Um, and although I am extremely grateful to be here in this very moment with you, and that is the result of that experience, I just had gro- my soul had grown from that journey and I needed to move forward um, and decided um, to break out of that fear based and take a risk. And ironically, literally COVID started as I started having conversations with my team and my partners about training someone and sort of walking away. It was just an absolute divine timing of COVID happening and my dog getting sick at all at the same time, just everything came to me and it was just absolutely apparent that this is what I need to do and I need to take this path and just see where it goes and landed in a clubhouse room <laughs> and my journey started
0: wow what an incredible journey and you're sitting here with me with this beautiful yellow mustard yellow top hat that says Hovak, this feather blue feather sweater or jacket and these yellow tinted stunner shades and you're looking absolutely incredible right now and i feel your energy it's, it seems like you definitely Align more so with your with your soul purpose, and what I'm also seeing behind you are these images of. Can you share more about the images that are behind you right now? Your art, I believe. Absolutely. So um, all of my art
1: is based on the character uh, C1P, which is the spirit of my dog Copper, who was a wild wild German short hair pointer whom I adopted thinking it was a brittle just you know a mutt had no idea about the breed even the guy that had rescued hadn't you know the rescue people I worked with had no idea that these this was this wild hunting dog um that just sort of like shook my life and shook my soul and so somewhere you know with the mid midst of all of my you know transition of thinking about doing art full-time and corporate and all this stuff he got tumor frontal cortex tumor um and I did everything I could and took him to three doctors and MRIs and scans and you know there was nothing they could do and so I really took on myself to make every moment of his life just beautiful and started meditating with him and you know, going on these beautiful nature walks and doing these vacations, like more for him so he can experience amazing things. Um, and along the way, on one of our meditations together, I saw this character. Um, now, if you know anything about meditation, you don't really see sometimes it's more of a feeling mm-hmm. you, you know, you hear you, it's, everything is telepathic and some sort of energy gets transferred to you. Uh, But he communicated uh, within the meditation that it's time. I need to let him go that I need to like move on and let the attachment go. And, you know, the doctors were telling me it's time to, you know, put him down. And I really wanted the universe to work its divine powers and take him naturally. Um, And so he meditated. I meditated one day, and he was next to me, and he communicated, and the character was born. Born, um, so I named it uh, C1P, which is copper, and the one in the name is because he was my number one baby and teacher of life, and teaching me to love and unconditionally and forgive and all that great stuff.
0: Gold, gold. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sorry for the loss, but happy for the gain and the insights that you're able to obtain from going through that experience. You are actually the second guest here on Golden Meta Sessions with Dog Peace, whose Web 3 life began after the loss of their dog. Um, the first one being Niggy Crypto in season one, who also depicts his his dog in his NFTs. So I'm curious to know, can you share more about how you combine your artistic expression and with C1P and your your fashionista spirit? Um, how do they fuse in in Web three and in your projects that you are you are building? So it's
1: Day-to-day based on uh, the artistic element, correct? hmm So it's what I'm feeling at the moment, what's going on, I'll create a piece and, you know, then transfer that onto sometimes t-shirts, uh, sometimes hats, because obviously I do come from that fashion background. So... The logo is the character that is all on my apparel. So sometimes uh, with certain collections, I have them as unlockable. So if you collect the piece, then you get the t-shirt with it. Or sometimes I do the opposite. So if you collect an expensive one-of-one piece that I created, like a hand jacket that maybe took me weeks to complete, then I will gift an NFT version of it, but it's more of the art uh, cartoon artistic format of it as a proof of stake of the being the only owner of that jacket.
0: Gold, gold. I'm curious to know, you don't see many individuals like you in the space who are doing both the artistic creative paintings along with the, the fashion creation. So, this is wonderful to have you here on Golden Meta Sessions to share not only your experiences going down this path, this unique build that you're you're creating here in Web3, but also the past life that you had to uh, for you to obtain these skill sets and then utilize them in this way. So I would love to hear your your viewpoint on how do NFTs actually revolutionize the business of. The, the fashion industry and the creative expression?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> it goes back to the freedom, right? It gives freedom to the creator. It gives, I, you know, you no longer have to go the, I would say the web to the old school way. You can take power into your hand. And if you're an innovator and if you're jumping into the space as early as some of us are and have, You really get to establish an identity and get to sort of create your own path. Um, I feel like everyone that's sort of in this space really understands power of community and within power of identity all at once. So we all support each other. So you no longer sort of need don't need in my case a buyer of a Nordstrom, you know, of course, in that case you're talking volumes, mm-hmm. yet there's so many things that come along the way. Like with major buyers, they do lots of chargebacks. So within the contract, there's chargeback for damage, there's chargeback for unpacking, you know, it's sort of like returning a laptop. When you look, you know, you returning a laptop, there's charges, right? So When you're dealing with sort of us who were more of a smaller label um, selling to these huge corporations there was a lot of things that were out of our control but we complied to in order to be able to be out there and make money but i feel like in this case you know it's not it's not that way it's more free if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> it does make sense. It does. And so I would love for you to touch more on the community building component because you found a lot of freedom in this space. And I believe your success is not only attributed to the fact that you feel more free to creatively express, but also the fact that you've built and attracted a strong community around you. So I would love for you to share how you went about community building in Web3. Oh, boy.
1: man so um for 10 years while I was still a creative director and did a bunch of things along the way um I still created art I still created physical art and I still sold art and I had a strong community of females and just all kinds of people around me and actually um uh group of females I was a part of were the first group of females to be on the cover of LA Weekly um, as being the first group of female collective to put an all-female show together in a, you know, majority male-driven industry. And this That's was years no. ago. That's uh, maybe six years ago. And as much as, you know, I love my community and I love the the physical art world of it. You know, at the art show, I purchased a few art pieces of my friends because A, I love them and I supported them. Um, I sold my pieces, but not to artists. Um, I love them, everybody is incredible, but I feel like in the Web3 space, artists support artists. Therefore, it's much easier to build community. I can't say that I had too many artists in the past in the real physical world ever collect. A, maybe the financial element Mm -hmm. and B, space element of it. Uh, But also ego. It's a very interesting mentality. And I feel like the Web3 community is very easy to build because we're very like-minded. It's support for support, like... I will go to every art show of every artist, I will buy their merchandise, I will post about if you look down, even my Instagram, I have, you know, like a selfie post, but it's with a t shirt of one of my favorite projects or one of my favorite artists. So um, I think, and it's easy to continue that because people are giving the love back to you in the space. But I didn't experience that in the web two world. And I think people are slowly changing. So I believe it's more of a energy of like attracts life, like and a high frequency individuals that have a vision and understand what the future is.
0: Gold, gold. It sounds like there's a recycling of love here in the space. Oh, I love that. That's so
1: beautiful. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm glad that that resonates. And thank you so much for sharing how you were able to build such a strong community because I recall when we connected IRL in LA and filmed a round table of all beautiful, powerful women that we were both able to be a part of that experience. Your community that was surrounded you, that surrounded you and supported you during that recording fest, they were behind the camera rooting you on. And I remember how strong and how, how powerful that was to see such a strong community around a a powerful woman. And you don't need, it's not necessarily that you need them. You're not relying on them, but they're, they're attracted to your, your, the energy that you're exuding and they want to be part of that energy circle. And so that was incredible to see. And it's, it's important to note that this truly does exist here in Web3. Um, so can you, sh- uh, can you take a moment and, and share with us how or what was the most surprising to you as you dove deeper into the Web3 space? Was there something that you wish someone would have told you or that you wish you knew before you started that you had to kind of maybe learn the hard way?
1: Oh man. I mean, I'll
0: say the like the best part about it is
1: the magic that there was no blueprint. You know, I minted uh March twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. Um I was still under contract and doing Uh, corporate stuff. So I hadn't fully transitioned onto the web three. Um, But what I, and I didn't really start taking seriously until maybe like July or August sort of time. But it was the unknown of it that we were just a bunch of kids. Of course, I knew about CryptoPunks. And of course, I knew about all that existed pre uh, our community. But It was just the unknown magic that came together. So that was like the beautiful part of it. Uh, The part I wish I understood was how fast it moves. And I wish I moved faster because I saw people around me that as I was sort of transitioning from corporate into figuring myself out, losing my dog and sort of you know, where am I now after ten years of this other company I build and other stuff? What do I really want to do? How do I represent myself in this space? What kind of energy? You know, all the stuff you think about. I wish I did it faster. I did. I wish I did. You know, I preach just do it, just do it. But I myself took that time, and I wish I didn't because I saw people just go head in and not really have a plan and they sort of succeeded at the peak you know unfortunately we're at a sort of a little bit of a bear market currently but that's what i wish i knew but uh, i believe everything in divine timing but even now it moves fast it changes fast
0: so you mentioned this term bear market can you describe that what, what do you mean by bear market it's sort of like you know it's a reflection of what's
1: going It's a low time in crypto. Everything has crashed, not only in crypto and stocks. It's sort of a chain link of what's happening in the world with the war, you know, with uh, chain issues in China, with China sort of stopping sort of certain things like they're controlling more crypto and um, that kind of part of it um there's things going on with miners you know things are expensive now as of inflation is going up electricity and water and there's just multiple avenues that are like affecting the market and then the government um you know wanting to bring inflation down so they're you know playing the game that they've played their whole life of the up and down so that's mm-hmm. affecting us in the space but I really believe, you know, I'm an artist, I'm never going to stop compl- uh, com- um, creating mm-hmm. uh, whether it makes me money or not, whether I'm homeless on the street or sitting in some mansion, my soul is always going to create. So I just tell people to stay positive and this is a great time for you to support one of one, one of one artists and buy their work. You know. Yes,
0: this is a great time to get involved even in the bear market. If you have the means to do so, you can still take action and support creative expression. So you mentioned the, this desire to want to move faster. So let's, we touched a little bit about your, your creative process in terms of the, your artistic expression with C1P your your dog. I'm curious to know what's your creative process with the fashion that you design? Where do you source? How do you, how do you develop these pieces?
1: Um, so, obviously, having done that in the past for so many years, having sourced goods, um, anything from you know a ribbon and elastic that is made overseas, like that was uh, you know delivered on pallets, all the way to like a mini capsule collection we would create for. The Plaza Hotel in New York, a smaller collection that we didn't need to purchase, you know, lots of fabric, then it would be done in LA, like I would just go and buy a few rolls of it. Uh, So having that experience kind of benefits me currently of whatever it is I want to create, whether, you know, it's the hat I'm wearing, the caps, the merch, the logo based on the amount, like I did like a series of t-shirts with a character on it you know that was overseas because I wanted to give away it was my first giveaway to all my collectors so I sourced that but then I, I did a one-of-one jacket and that was a made in USA jacket and so just sort of all over I guess
0: Thank you for sharing that. Let's take a quick moment now to hear from our sponsors. This episode of Golden Meta Sessions with Dog Peace podcast is sponsored by Raka, a metaverse company and exclusive manager of French Montana's NFT album drop, 2D Montega. Welcome back to Golden Meta Sessions with Dog Peace. Have you experienced any, or what rather we all experience humps? Um, can you share with us a lesson that you learned while you were sourcing or creating the the fashion that it, that's part of your, your collection?
1: Uh, production, sort
0: of. Production.
1: Question. Yeah. Um, always get your samples. You know, never trust, you know, there's websites all over or there's even wholesale lots that you go and they'll have that one- t-shirt out you know open that box in the parking lot do your own quality control Mm -hmm. if you're ordering online get your sample have a contract that states that that you know every single piece is going to be identical because mostly what they do overseas it's sort of like those cheap websites or even some websites um where you see an incredible photo but then the item comes and that's not what it is that's sort of the way they're doing it as well all over so just like double triple check your work um, do a fit check make sure it fits great make sure the fabric content it may say you know modal or cotton top quality fabric but When you actually get the lot, it's not. um, And I think a lot of people in NFT space are now creating their own merch. And I've helped quite a few different projects. Some people just, you know, not not for money, just like, here's, you know, here's what we can do. Here's what you can do. So, um, yeah, this is Web3. We all help each other in that way. Uh, But do your due diligence, as they say. (laughs)
0: D D Y O R do your own research, quality control. It's up to you. You have to take responsibility. I mean, somebody has to, and this is your project that you're building your legacy essentially. So it's important for you to take that responsibility and do your due diligence. I'm curious to know, since you're, you have this experience in fashion, what is your thoughts on the creation of the typical merch, which I see thrown around at a lot of these events, where it's a basic t-shirt with words printed versus the fashion that you create, which are more unique (laughs) pieces. I I, want to have this conversation because this has been a thought in my mind, why, why we always see these basic, (laughs) basic merch, like it's things that that aren't well worn by the female gender. They don't fit their big baggy t-shirts with words printed on them. Oftentimes that we get here um, at these events. What are you, w- let's have this conversation on like how we can go about sourcing better materials. And like, what, what's your thought process in terms of like the difference between the basic, basic tees with print on it versus the, the more vibrant type fashion that you can actually use as merch. How do we, Uh, how do we go about getting that?
1: I think you nailed it. Uh, the feminine, divine feminine energy. Um, there's multiple, I think, answers to this. One is, you know, you have to realize the free stuff you're getting are costing a lot. You know, it's just a free T-shirt to you and I that we get. But, mm-hmm. you know, knowing how much each of them are costing the people that are making it, you know, is like the sad part for me um, that it just sort of gets thro- thrown around and it's not sustainable and it's not, you know, fashionable. It's not but, appreciated. Yeah, They're mostly from projects. I think that's the difference. Like, I'm an artist. I'm an artist, artist. You know, I hand make. I have videos of my hats that um, you could see on my Instagram. I hand make each piece, I bless each piece, I pray over each piece, Um, I sew the tags on it. Uh, I do the same with the jackets. Um, there I also have photos on there you know with these ones my mom and dad you know they really help so they're sort of my production team and you know I'll buy the pieces and then they'll help me put it together that's not to say that everybody has to do it my way but I going back believe in energy believe in frequency and believe in you know I have a reaction towards my merchandise and a, a aside from my NFTs, sell my merchandise because of the energy and the love I put in it. You know, it's like each individual piece for me matters who it goes to. Um, Now, when you're talking on a project base, that's kind of like not possible if you have a team of 10 devs and one artist that's creating a project and they don't really care about the merchandise element. They sort of just want to advertise so it's a Mm different i think it's a different play you know
0: yeah Um, the thing though there is that i i understand the the desire to advertise however if the advertisement isn't being um placed in such a way that is appealing or fitting then it defeats the purpose because those uh, the apparel, the merch, isn't going to be worn, so it's not going to serve that purpose of actually advertising. So I'm I'm thinking here that the solution may then be for these projects to align with a creative expert or someone like yourself who can team up with them to provide their creative expertise with the merch that's create that's that's produced, mass produced in such a way that is low cost, but highly effective in the sense that it, it looks, it looks appealing, it fits. And it, it does the job of actually advertising. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I mean, I believe there, you know, there are a few
1: projects and a dows that I have seen uh, more of like a high quality sweater with the embroidery logo that is, that has a colorful lining. So it's still... Um, you know, generic ish, but the one thing I just also realized is not everybody has swag like you and I. That uh, has, but okay, has okay, okay, okay. That was more <laughs> of my like, corporate thinking that just came in play. Like, if they do give these cool things, chances are the industry we're in, which is like 94% male dominated and driven. They're probably not gonna rock it, so they, they're all. I think that's also the element. So it goes back to like, who do you want to target? You know, who's your target audience? And I always, I always believe like, I believe in niche. I don't. I believe for myself and for identity based, the more niche you go and you target people that are more like you, the more success you're gonna have. And if the masses come along the way, um, you know, that's just exactly my journey of what I started very small, turned into something big was a niche that kind of then got big. So I think the same could be applied in this space. So for you, you have this incredible, like very calm, sustainable, incredible, like Zen style. And so if you, yeah, that's, at the same time. <laughs> Yet, if you want to create something for yourself, whatever you resonate with is going to work, I think best for you.
0: And so, okay. So what you're saying here is that for you, your niche kind of fell into your lap. You kind of, did you have to, did you have to do any work to find this niche? Did you do market research to find this niche? And I asked this for those who are creatives who are listening in our golden tribe. Like, what is it that you have to do in order to identify what your niche is? Does it come naturally? Do you just feel this, this energy and just, you just know, how do you find your niche? It's spiritual. So
1: you have to sit alone in a room silently, close your eyes, breathe and do it over and over again and ask the divine to sort of give you that message and it the message is from your own higher self it's you you're just tapping into that subconscious brain and that energy spirituality, whatever it is your god whatever you believe will give you that message and I believe that's what people feel again going back to energy um That's, for me, is I think the more I know myself, the more comfortable I am. People around you just automatically feel. You don't have to try. You don't have to be something else or someone else. Uh, That's for me. So if you're asking. Now, there is also, you know, the universe is about balance and yin and yang. So, yes, success can also come from strategy, marketing, you know, group of 10 people sitting together, coming up with incredible ideas, and that's going to also work. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, it's a very spiritual divine flow of the universe. And I just honestly do what I like. Uh, I just don't really care. I, I'm not trying to be something. I'm just, I've, I've lived in a refugee camp, you know, part of my childhood. I've lived in three countries by the time I was in the seventh grade. So I've sort of lived the bottom of the barrel uh, when you live in a camp, when you have everything stripped away from you. Um, uh, So um, I just kind of do as I wish. And I've had journeys where I've made incredible amounts of money. I've had times where I haven't and, I've had times where I lived off of one Starbucks coffee all day and I've also had like a seven course meal and that just doesn't change anything about me. And I think all that connected makes you who you are.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Would you like to share more about your experience living in the camp? How was that like? Um, What lessons did you learn from that experience that you are currently applying now in your creative expression?
1: Um, Yeah, I would love to share um, as my voice changes a little bit. Um, You know, through life circumstances, uh, I was born overseas in a country that is incredible and is home to me. But um, due to a regime change and my family's religious beliefs. I'm spiritual, as you could tell. And, um, I believe in divinity and power and light of God and all of that without a specific organized name to it. Uh, but it was, uh, after them living in this situation after the regime changed um it was unsafe very scary place to be and so they were sort of stuck there and I was born there and it it wasn't until I was maybe uh 10 and a half that I got to finally like we left on a religious asylum and when you're on an asylum you're in protection you're in a space um enclosed but so I went from not sort of experiencing the outside world where I was living because it was unsafe so very like enclosed sort of upbringing in a sense of hiding identity to transferring to a camp which was very sad yet one of the most empowering experiences because I got to experience kids from all over the world You know, where I was was just two kinds of people. You died if you talked about who you are. And it was very scary to this, like, international camp of kids from refugees all over the world. And so it took a time to get used to. We were there for almost about two years. But um, as, like, traumatic as it sounds and as it was in the beginning, once you got over the leap that connection to humanity and the people and just being free sort of led me to where I am as an artist today. And then from there, we came to the States um, when I was about 13. So by the time I was in the seventh grade, I'd lived in three uh, continents, nations with three different religious, uh, you know, uh, backgrounds. And it was crazy. (laughs) Wow. I'm I'm
0: curious to know, what was the education like in the camps? Were you able to continue studying and learning and growing in that way?
1: I love that you asked that. I don't think anybody has ever asked me that. So unfortunately, no, they group you by age. So I was just like, on the cusp of um, not, uh, I think, 11 at the time. And so you're grouped, like, 12 13 and up or basically the high school and then anyone up to like 10 11 is like the you know maybe 7 to 11 sort of thing and then the minor one so you just sit in the room there's a teacher it's havoc <laughs> it's more like you learn about life versus anything else
0: Ooh, we've always said we need to incorporate more life learning skills in school so it sounds like you got those life learning skills yeah. that have been able to get you where you are today correct which is incredible so thank you so much again for sharing those those moments that um are not the probably not the brightest moments of your life but it's been able to to strengthen who you are and your spirit and your drive Yeah,
1: I always say never judge a book by its cover, anyone ever about anything, because you never know what people have been through.
0: Mm -hmm. Always be kind to everyone. Yes, so very true. I want to go back before we end today on your one of ones, and I want to have a brief conversation on the difference between one of ones and mass production in terms of sustainability. Uh, apparel. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think mass production could also be done. Di- to me, there's no difference. Okay. Absolutely not. It's just how it's made. Fashion is the one of the most, you know, polluting. I think the second or third. It changes every year, but polluting industries in the world. Uh, When I entered the industry, there were no laws in China. So they, and India and all, you know, that part of the world, they would just dump dyes after dyeing fabric into the oceans. And along my career, um, that rule changed. And then it became sort of like, you know, illegal fishing vibes where some people would still dump. And then from there, you know, as I was you know, th- pre-COVID, one of the biggest things was like bamboo fabric and sustainable fabric. Um, so it, there's no difference. I mean, when we had our apparel company, we did mass production made in USA. So it was all, you know, incredible team of diverse male, female, all kinds of backgrounds. So everybody had an incredible job. It was a nice, nice, you know, setting, very zen, spiritual, uh, but we were doing uh, mass production. Some of the fabrics, as much as we tried, weren't as sustainable as we wanted, but um, I don't see a difference. I really don't. Unless you're doing, like, uh, reconstruction of used
0: mm-hmm. items.
1: Yes, repurposing. You know, repurposing.
0: Um Yeah. Okay. Okay. So again, you've shared so much incredible insights and light, and I'm curious to know, is there any, any additional golden nuggets that you haven't yet shared with us that you would like to share with our golden tribe today?
1: Um, I want to share a little bit about the process of my art and how I create uh, in a sense of the spiritual element of it. Um, You know, like I think you touched on this earlier, but I've been thinking about it a little bit more and it's sort of, it's in my bio as well. Um, You know, per piece, even if it's just an NFT online, that's one of one. Um, I do a meditation. um, The purpose of that piece, I sort of call upon whatever the purpose is on that piece. And I set intention for it to be and healing piece and an incredible piece. And then I write all the codes into the system on my laptop and I convert all that into the art piece. So I have some videos on TikTok. So um, I'll write like numerology, spiritual messages, and then I make them into art brushes. So my goal is sort of having the pieces look very goofy, primitive, you know, childlike, but the messages, if you ever, you know, have the original file and you open it on a, let's say, Illustrator file and you go to file undo, it reveals all the messages. And um, I think that also um, contributes to its energy and like the the fact that the item sells because of what's behind it.
0: Wow. Wow. So it sounds like this is what you're writing is like a novel or a a book that seemingly looks like it's for children, but you open it up and it's speaking to adults.
1: <laughs> I love that. Great way. I've never heard that.
0: Gold, gold. I love what you're doing. I love what you're creating. I appreciate you for sharing more insights into Z Hovack. And I'm curious to know how can we connect with you further. Um, I'm at
1: zhovak, the letter Z H O V A K across every platform, anywhere from you know WhatsApp, Telegram, Instagram, Discord, LinkedIn, anything you can think of. It's all the same. Um, my DMs are always open. I'm here to help anyone. Um, I often help women onboard into the space or anyone that wants to be in the space. And yeah, I'm grateful to be here. I appreciate your time. And I don't want anyone to ever give up regardless of what's happening in the market or in life. Just keep going.
0: Gold, gold. I just thought of two last questions for you, actually. I cannot let you go um, until you <laughs> until you answer I'm these questions. You. Because one thing that I've learned um, about you is your branding is literally on point. I brought this up earlier um, during this interview, How what you're wearing right now and how you show up literally branded from head to toe with z Hoback apparel. Can you speak a little bit about branding IRL? Not just in virtually, not just virtually. You just shared about all your handles, how they're all the same on every single platform. Zhovac, Zhovac, Zhovac. That's branding in, in itself, but also showing up fully branded from head to toe, Zhovac. Can you speak a little bit more on that?
1: Yeah, I'll say this in a little bit of a goofy way. Um, there's this funny TikTok where someone, you know, there's the voiceover people use and they say, like, I think it's maybe a Kardashian or whatever, but they say, like, why why are you so dressed up? And then the girl answers, the question is, why are you not? Ooh, you know? Yeah. So um it's I think it's sort of it's a maybe a um a job I had at the mall at the sunglass store when I was 16. Um, you know, my manager at the time taught me like, no, it's like ABC, always bring your, you know, always be closing, always bring your A-game. And so I believe if you live in, if you're as blessed as we are living in the Western world where you can source a cool looking thing at the Goodwill or from Zara or Channel, one of those affordable things, there is absolutely no excuse for you to not always be on your A-game. So I believe everything is a domino effect in life. And it's um, what you give is what you get. So, whether it's me bringing my marketing A game, which is not a marketing, it's just who I am, you know, like you'll see me after this probably take out the trash in this outfit, you know. Um, it's just me, like, this is just who I am. Um, so, I believe bring your A game, whether you're dressing this way. So, I always you know, look this way. I asked my best friend the other day, like we were going somewhere and I said, Should I be really dressed up or should I wear sneakers? And she was like, I don't even know the difference when you she's like, To me, you say she's like, you look the same every time. Like you're always in some fur. You're always so um it's not a marketing strategy, but it could be, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's like if you don't have that part of you, you can bring that or have something staple that's not noticeably yours and repeat that.
0: B-way, B-Y-A-G, B, B-Y-A-G, B, bring your A-game. Bring I remember a, A-game. Question, a question that, that was on the round table was come up with an acronym, a new acronym for Web3. I think we just came up with one right now. Oh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. always bring your A-game. Bring your A-game. Let's go um
1: and be then one a- be you be you that's be, you. I, be you be and you and if you're not gonna rep your art and your merch if you don't believe in it who will so that's also important that you have to believe in what you're doing and love what you're doing and continue doing it
0: be you be you And so we're going to bless those who have stayed to the very end of this interview with this last final question, sourcing secrets. Can you share with us any sourcing secrets that you may have learned over the past 10, 15 years of being in fashion?
1: Um, my God, that's going to be a consultation
0: fee. I got to tell you that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Just one, just one, one sourcing Uh, secret for our golden tribe here today.
1: Honestly, can I be hundred percent honest with you? I still 100% discover new sourcing locations just on Google. Um, and if you're in any major city, um, like New York city, Chinatown, uh, you know, you have like Pockets of every single, Las Vegas even has like a wholesale area. I'm in Los Angeles, so downtown LA, San Pedro, uh, Los Angeles Street. If you, any of those major cities, you'll get a bit better deal than online because you can negotiate in person and get to touch the merchandise and potentially ask them what you're looking for and they could source it for you. If not, you literally can just Google like wholesale t-shirts. And um, one thing I would say that I really recommend people who don't have uh, the time or the background to do this is there's incredible uh, dropship websites. So there's websites you, that they will create the merchandise for you and directly ship to the consumer. Um, It's never going to be very fashionable, but it's still going to be cool things like phone cases and cups. You never have to spend your money holding goods. So I have a space where I have all my merchandise stored. So you may be living in a place where you don't have that extra. These are incredible tools to utilize. At least you can get started. At least you can have a T-shirt or a hat with your art, your logo on it until you get to that space where you can get the warehouse you can get that extra space to hold your merchandise and kind of like work with your community like if there's you know like designers around like ask them you know like bring people together and have them help you like you don't have to do it alone like i'm helping a ton of people bring their you know that part of their art into the world
0: I really appreciate you for sharing those sourcing secrets. What's on the horizon? I'm curious for Z Hovac. Are you looking to create like wearables in the metaverse? What, like what, what's happening right now with the next creative expression for Z Hovac?
1: Um, I'm fully emerging art. So um, I've kind of done that part of my life. I do have merchandise with my art, but my physical art and, digital art is all I'm doing currently so um, I will do I am working on a project that's going to be unlockable with the merchandise so it's going to have cool technical elements uh, stay tuned but you know just the one-on-one artist I believe in one of one artist I think there's a lot of projects out there that I believe in that I love but I think one of the things that attracted me to the space was giving power to the artist so me who was a digital artist and created art that was always printed on textile that was in major department stores. I never got to monetize on that because it was the IP of the company and it was the art that I created but belonged to that. So when I create something now with my character and I get to sell it even for like a few hundred bucks, it's the best feeling in the world. you know. So I want to just continue building that and continue um you know i'm currently i'm seeing ton of binary codes in my dreams and meditations i don't know what's happening to me uh but i'm, I'm putting that all into my physical and digital art so uh, you know i'm writing just going into this obsessive mode of writing the ones and zeros and my friend of mine is a dev and he's sort of helping me translate so um yeah uh that's what i i, I love i mean. I love the one-on-one art, the physical art, and that's where I am.
0: Gold, what you're doing is not just anything at all. So I'm removing that much (laughs) of my vocabulary because what we're doing right now in Web3 is not just anything at all. It is all this and more. So thank you again, Zihovak, for sharing with us your golden insights and light. We appreciate you popping into our Golden Meta Sessions podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful. You're so very welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Zee, hold Thank you for listening to Golden Meta Sessions with Dog Peace. I hope you got that dose of inspiration you were welcoming. Remember to subscribe. New episodes drop weekly every Thursday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. As always, reminding you, it is you who ultimately chooses to consciously express and be gold. A genuine, original, loving dreamer as you boldly step into the metaverse and achieve your version of success. I'm your host, Doc Peace. What an honor it is to journey with you into NFTs. Stay gold.